Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ben, and in this episode of the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast, we're talking to a man who likes them big, likes them chunky, and has built some of the biggest trailer pits in the country. Hey family, I hope you're well wherever you are and you got that thin blue smoke rolling. Today I'm super stoked, we're talking to Craig Weggett from Bullockhead Creek Smokers. Now these smokers have been around for as long as I can remember in, in the barbecue scene, so it's going to be great to have this opportunity to talk with him today. But first up, before we get to that, I do have a couple of announcements that I need to run by you. First up, I need to let you know that winter is coming, although you probably already know that already. So we've got our hoodies are available on our website as well as our beanies. The hoodies feature our award-winning Hail Mary design on the back and our beanies have the beautiful 3D stitching on the front. So that's all done at Gold Coast Workshops here. So, uh, you know, if you do grab some of them, you're not only supporting us, but you're supporting some other local businesses there as well. And they are going to keep you warm and they are very cool looking stuff too. Now, if you are just at the start of your barbecue journey, do head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com. Check out the Beginner's Guide to Real Barbecue. It's a free ebook that we've got up there for you. It recently won an award at the NBBQA conference over in the United States. So it's it's a well-written, it's a good bit of thing. It's going to take you from zero to hero in terms of what you need to know for low and slow barbecue. So if you're just getting into it, that's what you need next. Now, welcome to the people who are joining us live in the Smoking Hot Confessions barbecue community this afternoon. It's our group on Facebook and it's where we record these podcasts live. So if you are with us there, make sure that you can uh, pop some comments and some questions into the little boxes there. It's going to appear on my screen and I can put them to Craig during the interview. Now, if you are not there yet and you would like to be a part of the um, live podcast recordings, do jump on over there. It's the nicest little corner of the internet. All the guff is left at the door. It's a family-friendly group, and we just hang out and talk barbecue. It's a really good time. If you're watching this on YouTube at a later date, do give us a thumbs up, subscribe, and hit that notification bell. If you're watching it on Facebook, it's a thumbs up, a share, a comment, and make sure you're following us as well. IGTV, yes, we are on IGTV. It's the little love heart and the follow. And if you are listening on a podcast app, particularly if it's Apple Podcasts, five-star rating and review, they're super helpful for us and help us do what we need to do. All right, so back to Craig. Now, in this episode, as I said, we're talking to Craig Weggett from um, uh, Bullockhead Creek Smokers. He's an iconic pit manufacturer from, from just up the road from me here in Brisbane, and his latest build for Up in Smoke in Western Australia. I don't know if you've seen the photos yet for that, but that thing is a monster. And on top of that, a very good friend of mine has the first ever uh, Bullockhead Creek smoker manufactured. So uh, he's got 001. So that, that's going to be really cool to to, uh, to speak with Craig. So I think that that is probably a good time now to bring Craig in here. This is the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast with your host, Ben Arnott. How long has it been since your last confession? Craig, mate, welcome to the show. It is good to have you here. Hey, Ben. Nice to see you, mate. Nice to see you too. So tell me, what was the last thing that you barbecued? Last thing I barbecued was two eight-kilo briskets uh, for my wife, Um, not because we were (laughs) eating 16 kilos of brisket. Um, My wife is uh, very uh, health-orientated naturopath type thing she has an autoimmune um uh, disease oh, okay. or, or condition 
um, which uh, is called fibromyalgia, and she's looking at uh, a more because we we barbecue a lot mm -hmm. in our place. We barbecue all the time, um, but she's looking for something slightly less than your salt and pepper direct um, on your brisket, and she's looking for something um, with uh, more sugar alternatives in your your porks and your ribs sort of area. Um, because I, I, I'm, I like Central Texas style barbecue. So I, I'm very much your salt and pepper on your beef, um, very much your Kansas City type of uh, pork and ribs. So very, you know, sickly sweet almost in your, <laughs> your, sugary, your sugary in your pork area. So she's, um, she was looking at uh, doing that. So being, being Craig and having where our workshop is at um, Sumner Park in Brisbane, we've got Hillman's Meat Company, not the, we, we, any, but they, we've got a big butcher's supply place basically across the road from where we are. Very and handy. Just fortuitously is there. And um, I rock on in and grab, she goes, can you get a couple of, you know, small briskets? So I come back with two eight kilo ones um, because that's small <laughs> for me, one under each arm. And um, yeah, we cooked, we cooked brisket and she did um, a whole bunch of uh, test rubs and uh, flavoring stuff that she's working through all natural type flavors, lower in salt, lower in the sodium, lower in the, in the sugars, because we, we barbecued that. And then um, just before we did the two briskets, we did some um, ribs and some uh, pork. So that's what we last barbecued, 16 kilos of beef. Is what Very we nice. Last. So, yeah, yeah. but um, no, and her, her flavors turned out well, but that, that's the sort of thing that she was working on. So I, I did what I could because trying to help her out. Oh, a bit of, of beef. course. And there's not, nothing better than, you know, if you do get a bit of time off, because that is my only time off. If I'm not at the workshop welding up a barbecue, I'm at home and I'll, I'll actually, like on my days off, I will barbecue. And it, nothing better than to sit by a fire, you know, from early in the morning until mid-afternoon cooking that solar barbecue. It just, it's meditation. It's relaxing. It's a coffee in the morning beers during the day and a scotch in the afternoon it's uh you know it, it, it's the way to go it, it's and i find it after you know I'll, I'll work 30 40 days straight sometimes and then have a day off and i'll barbecue wow so we, we, we run our own small business and we'll work 30 40 days straight without a break and you know we'll do 16 hour days and then i'll stop and people go oh but you're going to spend all day cooking yeah i like it I love cooking barbecue. <laughs> I really do. I really do. If I could do that for a job instead of welding them, I would. <laughs> I would. I enjoy the early start of a barbecue. Like if you're going to spend 14 hours, you know, slow cooking, because my favorite thing to cook is brisket. My, that is my favorite thing in the world to cook. It, it's what I started with. It's what I do very, very well. And if you're going to spend 14 hours of your life doing something, do it well, do it very well and enjoy it. There's, there's, there's something about the meditation of watching a fire, watching, watching the fire roll, because you know, if you're looking, you're not cooking. So you're just watching the fire and, and seeing the temp gauge and watching the smoke and, you know, getting ready for that when you wrap or when you test, you know, if the, if the meat's ready. And now because I've been, cooking for so long um i, I with our smokers I, I barely even look at a temp gauge anymore i watch the fire 
and I know what the temperature of the pit is. And I've got an old Frankenstein pit in the backyard that um, came out of the, uh, part of it came out of the scrap bin and part of it came out of an off cut. And part of it came out of a, a smokestack change one Christmas about five years ago in the back, in, in the workshop. Amanda said to me, um, that's my wife. She said, you need to cook some some stuff. We've got a huge family gathering coming for Christmas time. I said, I sold my number one smoker. I said, I don't have it anymore. She goes, well, you're going to have to put something together now. You've got to cook for Christmas. So I threw, I threw a 24-inch smoker together in an afternoon at work, and it's still sitting in the backyard, and it's a Frankenstein bitted together piece of equipment, and it works, and it's just chugs away and I just sit out there and watch it and it's the best meditation known to man. It really yeah, no is. doubt about that at all. Yeah. I, I was just having a chat with someone the other day about um about how important it is to take those days, um, even just from a like a mental health perspective. Just give yourself a day, sit by the fire, listen to the music that you want to listen to, have some time out and just just do that for yourself every now and again. It's just it, it's well worthwhile for sure. Um like it, it's it's a tough job cooking barbecue it is a tough job but oh yeah yeah the the peace and quiet the meditation the the, the setup the cook and also that it's it's barbecue it is fun it is relaxing it really is yeah for sure no doubt about that so that that franken barbecue was that the uh no so that was a more recent build wasn't it um so Tell us about your latest build then, the Up in Smoke in WA. Tell us about that giant, giant smoker. That barbecue tried to kill me um, <laughs> in, in many different ways. Um, the guy, the guy Con in WA who runs Up in Smoke Barbecue, he's, he's uh, an icon in the WA um, barbecue area, catering and, and like festivals, markets, cooking. He's been running um, many, many different styles and small smokers. Con came to me and said, I want to build an iconic smoker. I want to build a statement piece. Ah. I want to build something <clears throat> custom for what I want. And that process then started six months ago um, with design, with, with refinements, with con changing things um, <laughs> and design. And we, we worked on that process for several months. Then we got into the build process. Then there was some chopping and changing. And then we ended up with the final piece of work, which it is, which um, is a, a, a smoker that's 43 inch in diameter, a four meter long cooking chamber oh. and a firebox insulated firebox and warmer that is 1.9 meters tall by 1.1 meters square if you know what i mean so it's it's a it's a, a rectangle that's 1.9 meters tall i can stand up inside of it when i was building it i think there's some photos on facebook of me and i'm i'm six two and i'm standing yeah. inside the barbecue smoker welding internal seams on it and um it, it's just so all, all up, that that thing's about five point two meters long, altogether. On a trailer that's seven point seven, or seven point six without the ball on it, but seven point seven with the ball on it, and two point four meters wide. It's oh, that's a monster. It's, it's got full stainless steel kitchen and bench down one side. It's got 
Heatley gas grill commercial on one side. It's got three sinks, 400 litres of water on board. It's on a four and a half tonne suspension system on tyres that are 225 by 75 mag wheel stealth cutouts on it. It's got full fairings, rounded guards, um, its own battery power on board to fire up its gas, uh, hot water system, electric pump system on it. It's got a custom built gas storage and five wood box on the front. It, yeah, it goes forever and ever. Custom counterweights and stainless steel signs and colored backing on the signs. Yeah, it, uh, it it was an epic build. And like I said, thing tried to kill me several times, which is not unusual for barbecue building. It's a heavy industry, but that it was it was great to see it. a tear roll down my cheek as it rolled out the doorway. We put it onto a, loaded it onto a flatbed um, Thursday afternoon next week, uh, last week, sorry, and said goodbye. And then it got trapped in Sydney with the floods. Yeah. It was on its way to Perth, so. Yeah, yeah. Apart from that, that that is probably one of the, if it would be one of the largest reverse flow smokers in the country, I'd say, um, and it's definitely one of the largest mobile, <clears throat> largest mobile um, catering smokers, I'd say, floating around at the moment. Mm. I I, wouldn't, I can't think of too many bigger on trailer smokers that are moving around at the moment. No, me neither. Me neither. I'm actually thinking with a with a uh, machine that big, I'm surprised that you didn't put a like a some kind of um, wheel between the firebox and the cooking chamber, so that as the heat and the smoke move through, it turns the wheel and generates all its own electricity. Turned it into a little <laughs> mini power station. It, it, it should have had a gas turbine in it. It um, there was a lot of work went into the um, barbecue theory of building it. A lot of work went into making sure. It it doesn't just look good that it actually works because that that's a big thing about my barbecue building is like as a steel fabricator you can build nearly anything you you can mm. make it look outstanding and my big thing to a lot of the clients who come to me with really big dreams about what they want to build my big thing is it's got to work first it's got to cook barbecue if yep. if it can't cook barbecue. There's no reason to build it, and you know several things that we 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 look at is airflow, convection, heat distribution, and and that type of thing, um, which is very important. Convection and airflow in a barbecue smoker is paramount to making the thing work. It's and I'll actually push back against people sometimes where they go, I want to make it ten meters long, or you know, or this diameter, or I want to. I want to have 20 racks height through it. And I, mate, it won't draw air. You know, you're going to, you know, I, I didn't want to put as many racks into that barbecue as I did, but it does theoretically. And in practice, it does convect properly across the four levels of racks because you can choke a barbecue by having mm. too much meat inside of it because that's what, you know, they'll, they'll work empty all the time because smoke will move around steel and racks and, and sear plates it'll, it'll move around it you fill it up with brisket you're making giant big layers where the air won't convect through so you've got to be very careful and like 
I'll push back sometimes to customers who want to put too much in there. If you really like want to go old school and build Texas style barbecue smokers, one rack level, that's what you put into it. One rack level. You, but I understand caterers need to cook and caterers need to get bang for their buck and everything like that. But in my experience, one rack level is the best, but um, you know, you have to give bang for your buck and, and volume is part of what caterers want to cook with. So you have to get a balance for where it works. But um, yeah, it, it, it really was something that if anything happened to that on the way to Perth, I would never build it again. <laughs> it's a one-off. It's a custom piece. It's a one-off. And do I want to go back down that track? I'd, I'd build bigger, um, but I'd build bigger direct flight. Easier to. Oh, easier okay. To I'd build bigger direct flight. I have built bigger direct flight. Uh, Frankie's Smokehouse at Wollongabba has got a um, barbecue that's nearly eight meters, 8.2 meters long or something like that. Wow. Three meters. Long. It's out of a seven and a half thousand um, liter uh, propane tank. So seven wow. liter or 2000 gallon tank, if you want to look at it that way. The that's 2000 gallon tank, that's 52 inches in diameter. And it's got a firebox on it. That's 1.3 meters long. 52 inches in diameter, double skinned, insulated with ceramic rock wool to fire properly. Um, It's got two levels of racks in it, and it's got a five degree Fahrenheit difference between the firebox end and the stack end. Get out. Wow. Yeah. Five doors, 12.5 millimeter thick steel. And I literally was asleep inside that barbecue on several occasions. Yeah, I, I, I climbed it. I used to have to get a step ladder to climb into it to work onto it. And then I found out that I could actually climb through the firebox, through the baffle plate, and up into the barbecue <laughs> smoker itself to actually work on it. And I'm a big guy. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm 130 kilo, six foot two, ex Olympic weightlifter. I'm a big guy. Yeah. And I could climb through the firebox door, through the baffle plate, into the smoker to work on it. That's madness. It is. It's an enormous piece of kit, but it cooks barbecue great. It really does. It's got, I've eaten the barbecue out of it on several times. I know the guy who runs the place really well now and went there for my birthday and the barbecue that comes out of it is fantastic. That's what you want, man. On something that, that big, but that's, that's my whole thing. They can look as great as they look and they can be a spectacular piece of artwork. On, the, on somebody's business, on somebody's backyard. But if it can't cook barbecue, there's no reason for it to exist. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So t- tell me, um, you mentioned that the Up in Smoke one had tried to kill you a couple of times. What happened there? Well, when you're swinging that much steel around, and where are, my wife and I work in a business, but I'm the fabricator, I'm the builder. So all the stuff you see is built by me personally by hand with no helpers just me my forklift and um overhead crane um steel lifting bars you know crane jibs and stuff like that when a two-ton piece of steel wants to roll oh yeah you're superman and you're not anymore 
you can get trapped between some round pipe and some some other places in the workshop and that one in our current workshop um we have two bays in our workshop we have a fair bit of room but we have two divided bays with a big vessel brick block wall between them and so that thing could go into the bay lengthwise but couldn't go any other way in the workshop mm. so it was quite hard to adjust it and move it and injury in barbecue building is not uncommon but this thing literally tried to roll and kill me it tried to and like if you're trapped up against a piece of barbecue and you can't reach your phone and call for help you're that's, in some trouble. That, that's like big trouble yeah two, two ton worth of barbecue that wanted to roll and yeah it it, it did try to kill me so <laughs> it's a love-hate relationship with that thing it, was um, it nicknamed christine it, by any chance Pardon? I said, was it nicknamed Christine by any chance? No, no, not nicknamed. I don't, I'm not sure what they're going to call it yet. I, I had some words and some names for it that we can't say on air. Um, <laughs> I'll bet. On several occasions. Um, I had nightmares. I, I had dreams about it and I had nightmares about that barbecue. That thing <laughs> followed us around. And then in its final stages, it brought the rain Queensland that wouldn't stop. So oh, it, that was in, you. That was me. And the rain followed it to Sydney. And I think it could be following it across the, the Malabar into Western Australia as well. So that thing, when it was ready for paint, we couldn't get a weather window to get it. And it's that large. Like you're talking something 7.7 metres long and two and a half metres wide. We had to get that primed and painted during monsoonal rains. And it had to come out of the workshop and into another bay to do it. So every time I wanted to move it, so we have a forklift with a tow ball attachment on it. We hook it up and you can pinpoint drive barbecue trailers around with our forklift and a tow ball attachment, move them anywhere you like and park them on the dime. It's not like a car. You can just pick it up, drive around, park it on the dime. But every time I open the roller door and that thing was ready for paint, the rain would come. Literally, it would, it, and there's, you can't spin it around the workshop to work on it. It's too big. So it, it just, and like we had weeks of rain and the moment the, the, you know, the last week when the rain stopped, yep, it was on a truck on headed to Sydney. <laughs> so it, it, it's a strange coincidence. Got a project you'd like to work on with the SHC team? Shoot Ben an email on ben at smokinghotconfessions.com and let's have a conversation. So we've just been talking about um, about your latest projects and what you've been up to recently, but let's go back in time. Can you tell us how, how Bullockhead Creek started out? Okay, we, we when I say we, my wife and my, myself, and earlier um, I wrote my kids into working with us as well. Um, when I moved from engineering into full-time fabrication in our, in our family business, um, and we worked in fabrication, contracting, engineering, and, and that sort of stuff since 1999. Um, but I was employed as a full-time engineer after I finished my tool making trade. And I moved from engineering um, into our own home-based business for a while and then into our workshop in um, 2011 after the floods in Brisbane. Um, and we, we still fabricate uh, gym equipment because I'm a former Olympic weightlifter. So we would build squat racks and gym gear and weld up benches and you name it, we would build gym equipment and did for years and years and years. 
and we ran our own gym for a while and I was heavily involved in weightlifting for a while. But one day I, um, cause traveled the world with weightlifting, been to Poland, been to Georgia, um, seen different styles of food and I, being a ex super heavyweight, I love to eat. So, food <laughs> everywhere. so some of the best barbecue I had is actually, um, from Poland. Some of the stuff oh. from Poland. Oh, the, the street food barbecue in Poland. Fantastic. Really, really fantastic stuff. And um, like I said, I've traveled around the world, found Texas-style barbecue. It intrigued me. It interested me because it's so different to what Australian barbecue <laughs> sort of has. It, it, people think the barbecue is a gas grill. Now, I'm from the country. I grew up in the country, and I would light a fire to cook barbecue. Okay, yep. I've been starting fires since I was about five years old. I'm not allowed to. I'd cook over fire since I was a kid. We, we'd come from Gympie from the farm. So we would, you know, I was born in Maribor, brought up in Gympie, would cook over charcoal or fire. That's how we would cook. It'd have a hot plate on it or a grill on it, but we would light a fire to have a barbecue. And then somewhere along the, the line, the world in Australia or the Australian barbecue scene went to gas. It was throw a shrimp on the barbie, throw early eighties. Yep. It was all gas grill stuff. But my, my first barbecue I ever built was a plow dish on top of a wheel drum on top of a piece of pipe. Um, I think I would have been about 12 or 13. Um, Cause I could weld from a very early age being a kid from the country. Yep. I could do everything, you know, I, I could weld, I could build anything I liked and worked on machinery and stuff ever since I was a kid. So I got a, a wheel hub, um, a piece of steel fencing pipe, a plow dish and a big hunk of steel plate and a big piece of steel mesh. And I built this really weird looking sort of, <laughs> Top hat style barbecue where you'd put the wood around the on the plow dish and on top of that would be a hot plate and a, and a charcoal plate and we would fire that up and cook our steaks and our sausages and stuff on top of that. So I, I've been cooking over fire for a while and being a steel fabricator, tool maker, build everything, build everything. And I ran into Texas style barbecue and I thought I like that. Then I did some research and looked at a bit of it. I, thought, I really want to try this. And then in Australia back, you know, you go eight, nine years back, you couldn't get an offset barbecue. Um, you could track down um, some of the Silver Creek ones, but you, that was about it. That was mm. what it is. And being a fabricator, I've gone, I'm going to build one of these. Yeah. I had a workshop and I went, I'm going to build one of these. So I did a lot of research and my engineering came into it. I backward engineered everything that I could remember and I could see and I could research. And I, being a civil water engineer, um, worked out fluid dynamics and how things should flow and how opening sizes and everything. And I, I researched everything. And you had guys online saying you should build like this. And I was in the forums overseas and seeing how they did my own calculations, worked out what I wanted to do and built number one, 001 barbecue, built that. I know where that lives. Yeah, I know where it lives too. Yeah. <laughs> I built 001 and, but I bought enough material because it's being a fabricator, being a business, you buy like buying 
if you build your home barbecue, it's going to cost you a lot more than building in bulk because the more you buy, the cheaper it is. And cheaper our steel guys, the steel guys, everything. So I thought I'll build one for myself and I'll knock a couple of these things together and stick them on the corner and put them on Gumtree or on Facebook somewhere. And I'll, I'll get rid of them. I'll get my money back at some stage and yeah, you know, I'll have my own barbecue in the backyard. So I built a 20 inch and it was very much, if you know, Gator Pit from the States. Yep. Um, yeah. Richie, Richie from the States. If you know, those guys, Gator Pit, Lone Star grills from there. It's very much along those style of barbecue pits. Simple, but really functional, good heavy bit of kit. We use quarter-inch steel pipe on all our barbecues. Um, and I got the material in and I, I worked on it. I built it and I cooked on it and it worked. And my mate said to me, yeah, you should put that on Facebook. What, you reckon? He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. You should put that up on Facebook. And so I built number one, put it up on Facebook, got some interest on it. And I went, oh, that's all right. I got some material. And I can do that. And then I got some real orders for it because it, number one looked all right. Number one looked okay for, for the first time attempt. And um, I got some more. And this is just when, uh, just before the competition scene really kicked off. Okay. And so I built, I built number one and we didn't even have a name back then. It was, it was just, you know, our, our fabrication business. I just built it and put it up on personal pages and stuff and not even a name. And I'll tell you where the name came from a little bit later, but um, we, we built number one and then I got some interest um, from some guys and the build process started from there. And then we said, Oh, the, the guys that we got interest was from um, Mile High Hawkers, the competition team, wanted an offset barbecue. Hard to get in Australia. So we, we got one of those. And then the Smoking Hot Bros wanted three. And we had to build Top three dudes. identical ones. And so we thought this is going to be a real thing. We're going to have to get a barbecue business name. And we were kicking around all these different ideas. And like I said, our workshop's in Sumner Park in Brisbane, which is in the western suburbs out towards Ipswich area. Mm -hmm. And I kid you not, where our workshop has been and is on a, a place called Spine Street, which is the main drag in the industrial estate in Sumner Park. Two buildings down on the T intersection is Bullockhead Creek Street. And there's a creek that runs, that floods down the bottom of our <laughs> street it's called Bullockhead Creek. No word of a lie. And I was driving home one day and I looked at the sign and went, that's not a bad name. And then I drove across a bridge and the signs on the bridge. I went, yeah, that's all right for a name. It's sort of like it's, it's cattle, it's beef. It's, it's, it's Australian because I'm very much like, I, I like central Texas barbecue, but I'm very much we're Australian. We build Australian. Like people talk about us low and slow. This is Australian low and slow. This is yep. all, you know, we've got our own flavor on things over here, you know? So that's where the name came from and where it really kicked off was the backyard scene took off and the comp guys took off and we built mm. a, about four spec smokers, um, what we call back in the day comp spec smokers, which were 20 inch offsets with a 20 inch firebox and quarter inch steel. Um, very, very Allah, like I said, Lone Star pits, Gator pits type inspiration on them. Um, 
calculated to work. Like I did, like I did a lot of R and D on number one. And um, once I was happy with that and we got the name out there, it just, it went, because the other thing it is like, I'm, I'm a realist. We're, we're getting steel pipe and I know everybody knows how much steel costs and steel pipe costs. And yep. I, I never want to rip anybody off. So I have what I see is what would I pay for something and what is a reasonable price for something? It's, this is wood on fire cooking meat. It's not rocket science. I haven't invented the wheel here. I just have perfected what I can do. I perfected my craft and I build a bulletproof barbecue smoke. That's what mm. I built. It works and works well. One of the comp guys that I think if you know, I think they've changed the name, but it was Limp Brisket. He bought oh, a 20 okay. inch of um, I think they're an, another comp team name now, but um, the guy, from Limp Brisket back then, bought a 20 inch off of us for competition, picked it up on the Thursday, cooked on it in competition on the Saturday and won the brisket with it. And he said to me, wow. he goes, they just work. They just, they just work. That's how they are. So that's where the whole thing started was with comp scene with a little bit of backyard scene and then the popularity of it. And it is Texas style barbecue, I suppose, Kansas city style barbecue. But I like to think of it that we put our turn onto it in Australia. And I like to think that we are quality built item at a realistic price, mm. you know? Um, and that's where we started. We, we, we didn't want to put, you know, astronomical American prices for imported stuff um, into the country to, to mm. have a barbecue that was a quality built bit of kit. And I think that's where the whole thing came from um, that made us popular in the start and today I, I still think that we are great value for money um yeah with everything that's going on in the world pricing and, and steel and everything that's going up we still you know we try and keep it as lean as we can because we're just a, a small family business and we try and make a really quality bit of kit at an affordable price that's not overly priced and i think that's part of the success it's realism in what we do and it's like you don't get up and weld for 16 hours a day, or sometimes you, you work overnight to get, we, we build people's barbecue dreams. We do, yeah. we, we build a barbecue dream for somebody. They, they, you don't go and invest and like for what they are, you know, you're looking at a couple of thousand dollars for a small barbecue unit. That for what we build is good value for money, but it's still, you try and talk your wife into spending a couple of thousand dollars on a barbecue <laughs> and see how far you get with something that you're going to use every weekend that will take 14 hours of your life away every weekend. <laughs> she, she's not going to be too impressed. So we try and give great value of money at a realistic price. And I think that's been really good for us with quality build material and stuff and, and, and an Australian product that, you know, that brings people's barbecue dreams to life. And that's what we do. Like you don't get there and go, I'm going to build barbecues and that's what you do because you want to make a point out of it. These things will break you. They'll, they'll they'll take your life away. You know, like <laughs> a barbecue build can take a couple of days to do. Or if you've got something stubborn with a door, like door fitment is one of the big things on a barbecue. If you can't get the door to seal and fit properly, it's basically a piece of junk. And the door can take you an hour to fit or it can take you a day to fit. It just depends on wow. how the steel works. Yeah, so, yeah. you know. You don't, you don't sit there and try and hit a deadline and get a barbecue to a customer 
for them to use in competition for catering or for the birthday party in the backyard. You don't, you don't work 20 hours a day sometimes or work overnight to make sure this thing hits the thing without a little bit of love in there. Because yeah, sometimes exactly. you start, you start down the journey and you can't finish. You've got to stay with it until it's done. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Now, one of the things that you do build that I'm fascinated with, and I really hope it takes off over here in Australia, is you build those little tailgate smokers that that mount into a tow bar fitment. T- yeah. Tell me about them. I'm fascinated with this idea. Okay, we build. We, we started building. Um, I, I want to say novelty, but more. Um, a specialist style barbecue, um, mini, mini smokers. Um, so as you know, we, we follow America to the end and you build in inches in diameter because that's what we think about. So we talk about 20 inch, 24 inch, 16 inch, 30 inch, you know, 50 inch smokers. We talk about them in diameter. Um, we built eight, 10 and 12 inch barbecues, right? Just little tiny ones that can cook a rack of ribs or something. And it was a, it was a novelty thing that we threw out there. We hit our sweet spot with the 12 inch. Okay. The 12 inch can fit a brisket inside of it, a decent size brisket, and you can have enough room for two racks. So we built those, they were bench versions and stuff like that. Now I've seen tailgating in the States and I know how big it is tailgating grills, tailgating competitions, the whole lot. And I said to myself, I'm going to put one of these on the back of the four-wheel drive. So I, again, being an engineer, did some research, worked out what I needed to do, and we mount our 12-inch mini smoker onto a uh, attachment. So it's still a 12-inch mini smoker on its stand, but it comes off of its stand and gets hard-mounted onto a tow bar attachment to a 50-mil square box tow ball attachment that you mount on the back of your car, four-wheel drive, or your mum's barina. And away you go. <laughs> away you go. You're talking about 65 kilos of steel on the back there. So they have two handles. So you and your mate can lift them up or you can wheel them on there. And they slide in. They lock into your toe ball attachment. Okay. So you take your toe ball tongue out, slot them into the 50, put the securing bolts through. Um, if you can't see your number plate, you have to get, um, it's like a bike rack on the back of your yep. car. If yep. you can't see your number plate, you've got to get a, duplicate number plate fitted and mounted onto where it can be seen from the back of the car. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can, we, we drove the first one um, to Bundaberg's barbecue battle where we set up a um, little vendor stand in 2019 in May. We drove that from Brisbane to Bundaberg on the back of our four wheel drive loaded up for the uh, show for the weekend. And the looks you get when you're driving down the freeway with a barbecue smoker <laughs> mounted to the back of your car. And we've sold a few of them. We've, we've sold a few of them. I really hope they take off. I, I last saw one on Facebook and Instagram um, for a guy that we sold it to out Ipswich Way. And he was up the beach fishing, pulled up with his smoker running um, on, the, on the four-wheel drive park in the sand while he's fishing on the beach. Very so cool. He's having a great time. He was camping away and he's, he's got the barbecue smoke. And that's what it for. We took um, the first one to Bundaberg and I cooked dinner on it for the kids. I cooked, um, I think, some ribs on it during the show for that day. Um, took it to the Race, race View uh, barbecue competition in 2019 as well. 
and set up a stand there. And um, I cooked um, pork ribs on it that day and runs a treat. Goes really well, really does. And I do hope it takes off because it's a fun thing to do. If you can have a tailgate competition where you turn up with a whole bunch of tiny barbecues and grills on the back of the car, I can't think of anything better. And my idea is that you can take it up the beach or take it camping and take it fishing because if you're going to sit around for 12 hours camping or something like that, fire up the smoker, get it going. That's, That's cool. the appeal for me too. We we love to go four-wheel drive camping and I'd, I'd just love to have one of them like on the back of my four-wheel drive and just head out we- and... We had a guy come in. We've mounted one to the front of his camper trailer. So, wow. Yep. So he's got a, a some sort of mount point that we had on the front of his trailer, and we mounted it to the front of his, his trailer. And he's also talking about if he had a, tow, a, a recovery point or a tow ball point on the back of his trailer, that he'd mount it on the back as well. So <laughs> there's a couple on some camper trailers out there. Because, yeah, if you're going to go camping, it's it's great. But, you know, you can't take your 16 or your 20-inch camping. It's a little bit of a headache to drag that stick burner out there. Oh, yeah, it is. You're listening to the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions podcast with massive barbecue nerd Ben Arnott. Alrighty, Craig. So we're now in the third segment of our show, which is always the lesson for the listeners and the viewers. So you wanted to talk to us about the hidden art and science of pit building. So I'm going to just sort of sit back and and be quiet now and just let you uh, share some wisdom with us. Okay. So you want to build a barbecue smoke. Okay. There's several ways to do it. A lot of people like to repurpose gas cylinders um, and or repurpose old tanks of any description to do it. Uh, that's great and everything. Be very mindful when you're doing that sort of thing, that it is a real risk of you blowing yourself up. If you don't know what was inside that container before you go and cut it open, yeah, because steel needs a friction cutter, a plasma cutter, an oxyacetylene torch of some description to open it up, to do all the things. So if you're going to recycle material, I, I'd like to build, out of new steel. I do build gas tank um, barbecues and I build some large gas tank barbecues, but we deal with um, air and tank, uh, air and gas specialists in the field. And we've been trained and taught how to purge and cut into a tank without killing ourselves. So I, I know, I know the risk and I know the danger and it's a very real danger. So it is, um, yeah. You, you know, even into a 44 gallon drum that you, if you don't know what's been in there, then you've got to be very careful. You've got to wash it out, <clears throat> purge it. You know, the best, the best thing to do with those, like with a, an LPG gas tank or something like that. And disclaimer, don't do this at home. Okay. <laughs> but if, if you are hell bent on opening up an old gas cylinder or, or an old tank of some description, you don't know what's been in there. Fill it up with water and dishwashing soap of some sort. Drill a hole into it. And while it's full of water with your electrical leads out of the way, because you probably don't have a plasma cutter or oxyacetylene gear in your garage if you've got a friction cutoff wheel, cut a small slit into it while there's a whole lot of water inside of it. And don't get the electrical lead wet, but cut down a bit and let the water then drain out of it. Because as soon as you opened up that tank enough with a big enough slit into it. It's no longer a bomb. 
that's going to explode and become shrapnel around the house. So, you know, though, if you're going to cut into a tank, be careful. I like new steel more than, like, I'll build you a, a tank, a, a barbecue out of an LPG tank, I, I will. But I've been cutting into them for years and I know what I'm doing. So, yeah, at home, it's a very real danger of something going bang if you don't do it properly. We like to use new steel. We use new steel pipe. We buy it in bulk. We buy meters and meters and meters of steel, tons of it every year. Um, it's easy to work with. So source your material, source your tank, get it right. Um, the next step is <clears throat> calculate how it's going to flow. So you need a decent sized firebox and little tiny fireboxes because that's the only bit of steel you got left over. Again. It, it's not about looks, it's about function. And over the years of building them, I've found the bigger the firebox, the better. It just is. It just makes a barbecue more efficient um, to a certain degree. There is ratios and, and science behind it, but a decent-sized firebox for your cylinder and then work out your, <clears throat> your, your stack and your opening. So on an offset pit, why it's an offset pit is because the firebox is offset to the side. And the firebox predominantly is lower than the actual cylinder of the cooking chamber so that the hot air rises, goes across the food and goes out the smokestack. So you've got to calculate. Then there's several different forums online, several different calculators online that are fairly good. <clears throat> and that will give you a flow rate, opening sizes and stack sizes. And that's the basics of it. Like we've got our own designs and stuff that we've worked out over the years, which is a formula that we've worked out that is our patent, our trademark. It's our proprietary information. That's what we do. That's why our pits work so well. Um, but it's not, like I said, it, it's, it's barbecue. It's not rocket science. It's simple. Trial and error. You'll work it out. Steel's great. You can add to it and you can take it away. So you can weld a piece back on if it's gone. <laughs> or you can open it up a little bit more. It's forgiving stuff, you know, nothing that you, the, 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 the grinder and the welder can't fix, you know. Um, and then the other big thing is door fitment, which, like I said, that could take you an hour to fit a door or it could take you a day to fit the door. Um, steel has a tendency to move under heat, under, under the different types of manufacturing processes of cylinders, of pipe. Um, if you use pipe, the door will spring, it'll spring open and you'll have to try and form that back into shape to make it fit the cylinder again. And when you cut the cylinder hole, the door opening hole out, the actual opening moves as well. So we have, we have many methods and many tools in the workshop to make these things conform back to what you want to do. But again, our material that we use is six and a half mil thick. So making that move, that's our standard. We do thicker stuff, like we do eight and twelve mil thick steel as well. But our run of the our, our lightweight barbecues are six and a half mil thick carbon steel. So you have to make that door seal, and that if anything, that is the art of building a offset stick a stick burner is mm. making the door fit and flange it inside, flange it outside, make it look however you want it to look. But making that door, persuading it back into its position is the art of building a good barbecue. The rest of it is just your own artistic appeal and everything to that. If you've got the firebox size right, 
if you've got the opening and the stack size is right, if you've got the door fitted correctly, the rest is whatever your take of what a barbecue is. You know, there is no rule of what it is. I know what I like when I look at a barbecue. I know the dimensions. I know in my eye what I think is aesthetically pleasing when I look at a barbecue, which has changed over the years a little bit. I've moved very much now towards um, a, a, a very traditional um, Central Texas style, Aaron Franklin style barbecue type thing. Uh, took a lot of inspiration from Aaron Franklin over the years from his barbecue. It, it just his his whole demeanor of how barbecue is and and um, mm. his relaxed approach to it. He, like he's a perfectionist. He likes to do his things his way, but it it, it like his it doesn't matter if you get it wrong. You can it's barbecue. You learn from it. You get it right again. Same with building your pit. And I, I like to style my pits towards that now um, because that's that's a really aesthetically pleasing look that I've seen, you know, so that's how I like to do it. But the, if you're building a pit like that, those are the, really the three things, you know, whether you put monster truck tires on it and um, a stand or, you know, pneumatic folding front shelf or, you know, a collapsible smokestack, it's up to you. But if you can get those three things right, you build a pit and that could take you, you know, several weekends at home building it. Or it could take you, you know, months on a project. But it's it's very satisfying to build your own barbecue. As a professional pit builder, um, we are very much into precision laser cut parts, folding parts. Again, we we build a lot of barbecues. We buy a lot of steel, buy a lot of pipes. So it's economical for us to do it. And I know that it's if you're doing a one-off design or one-off things like that it can be a little bit more expensive. Um, but that's why a lot of people like to recycle parts. There's nothing wrong with handcrafting parts. We don't handcraft parts in the workshop because it just takes too long. Mm. So we, you know, we've got CAD, we've got 3D Inventor, we've got, you know, um, conversions to cut bowls and we, we contract out at a lot of our cutting stuff because okay. to, to, manu to manufacture parts, to hand build parts, um, they're all hand designed, but we we get profile cutters to cut the bulk of our parts out because we would be forever trying to finish a barbecue. But if you're building one at home, then trace out with some chalk on a bit of steel and cut away to your life's contentment. Because if you're if you're building it at home, you've got the time to do it. We're in a production facility, so we need to turn these things out. So we've got machines and processes and welders and gear all over the place to make our job easier. Um, and having the right tools makes your job easier at home too. But not everybody can afford plasma cutters and 250 amp welders and, you know, have three-phase power and forklifts. You know, the, the forklift is a great tool for pit building. It really is because, like, a, a small pit can weigh a couple hundred kilos when oh, yeah. built out a quarter-inch steel. And a forklift with its hydraulics on it can really persuade things to go back to where they should be. Yeah. So, you know, if you've got a forklift around your garage, then, you know, it's going to be a great tool because, you know, you can use the hydraulics on that to create, you know, things that will to, to, to persuade things to go into, into the um, way they should be. But uh, having said that, nothing wrong with a bit of blood, sweat and tears and a sledgehammer to push steel back into where it needs to go. It wouldn't be the first time. 
that I've used a sledgehammer to try and make steel go back to where it is. Heat and hammering will really move steel around. Yeah, I'll bet it will, man. I'll bet it will. So now's probably a good time to uh, to start wrapping up the episode. So I'm going to throw the studio over to you. Give some thanks, give some shout-outs, give some praise to people that have helped you out along the way and make sure that you do tell all the listeners and the viewers where they can track down Bullockhead Creek Smokers on the social medias. Uh, yeah, so um, just a big shout-out to the guys that I, I started up with in the industry, like to the comp teams, to the ABA. Um, uh, like when the ABA came along, I um, I got uh, involved with those guys a little bit. I, I try to stay out of the politics of barbecue as much as I can, but I, I um, got in contact with Jay and the guys when they initially started up. Um, and, you know, a big shout out for them because I was a contributor to them um, in the early days and, you know, been down to Port Macquarie, so um, had a great time down there. Um, talk to Jess when she was involved in the scene. Um, big shout out to Andrew at Black Iron Smokers um, from way back in the day. Um, and we still chat every so often about barbecue when we get a chance. Um, to uh, the comp teams in Brisbane, um, Smoking Hot Bros, Mile High Porkers, those sort of guys that, that the initial startup in the, in the comp circuit um, if it wasn't for those sort of guys, we probably would never have got those barbecues out and got to where we were, had the um, had the exposure from the ABA and the comp scene. Um, so guys like uh, Jimmy Osborne at uh, Bluebird Smokehouse, um, one of our one of our customers who bought a smoker and ended up having three of them. Um, to the catering and the restaurants around the place that have them from you know Tasmania, Melbourne. New South Wales, Sydney, you know, all the way up to Cooktown, to Darwin, to Perth, to all our caterers and comp guys that have bought barbecues from us. You know, there's so many. You know, I, I could go on forever, but to thank for the community that supported us and have and, and have been behind our product, you know, I can't thank you guys enough because it was just a, a um, you know, a mum and dad, small Queensland business that, you know, sitting there building stick burners, you know, living the life, building barbecues, you know. It's it's hard work, it's it's dangerous work at times, but it you know, at the end of the day, my bad day is building a barbecue. You know, it's it, it's it's not a not a bad day. And if you're looking for us on the interweb, you know, we've got if you Google Bullockhead Creek barbecues, you'll find us. We have our website, Bullockhead Creek BBQ, Instagram, um, Facebook is uh, Bullockhead Creek Barbecues, and that's where we are. Beautiful, man. Look, thank you very much for your time today. I'd, I really appreciate you taking time out of your 14-hour days that you're doing at the moment, uh, pumping out these 200-plus pits per year. Be here. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I sent two barbecues out, started at 1 o'clock this morning so I could be here in time. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, I, I, I really do appreciate it, and I'm sure that all the viewers and the listeners do too. Not a problem, Ben. Not a problem at all. And there you have it, family. That was Craig from Bullockhead Creek Smokers. How much fun was that? That guy's got some good stories, I tell you what. We're going to get him on again um, at, a, at a, another point in the future, and we're going to get to uh, get him to tell us the story of his Burley Barbecue Comp experience. So uh, we'll have to get him back on in a, in a few weeks and uh, talk, talk competition, because I think competition was about the only sort of... Uh, angle on the barbecue scene that, that we sort of didn't really talk about was his experience at, as a competitor. 
Um, but man, I learned so much in that. How good was that? That was amazing. So, uh, all right, now, b- before we do wrap this up, some quick reminders for you. Um, winter is coming. We've got our hoodies and our beanies available for you. Smokinghotconfessions.com slash shop. Let us keep you warm this winter. We've got our free ebook available for you, The Beginner's Guide to Real Barbecue, over on smokinghotconfessions.com. And, of course, we do have the uh, Smoking Hot Confessions barbecue community right here on Facebook where we are actually re- live recording this podcast right now. So we have had some people be a part of the show today, and that's been absolutely wonderful. So you can come join us there, and you can be part of the show as well. Um, and, of course, before you do leave us, do all the likes and shares for us. Help us out on the socials. Tell a friend about the show. Five-star rating and review. Uh, it would really help us out, and we really do appreciate it. And that is about all the time we have for today. So until next time, take care of each other and keep on queuing. Thanks for listening to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com for recipes, tips, and Ben's own confessions. <laughs>